What's going on, family? Welcome to Nonfiction with Jonathan Soul. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the hashtag in SARS movement. It's an anti-police uh, corruption, anti-government corruption movement happening in Nigeria right now as we speak. I recorded this interview on the 24th of October. That is four days after the Lakey, I believe that's how you pronounce it, L-E-K-K-I, toll uh, booth where a state-sponsored murder squad in guise of uh, the police murdered uh, Nigerian youth singing the national anthem and protesting the same corruption that they fell victim to. Uh, this brother that I'm talking to has chosen to remain anonymous for his own safety. Uh, of course, as an interviewer and podcaster, broadcaster, I got to say the views and opinions of the guests are not necessarily those of the host. And how could they be? I'm not in country. But he is, and he has some insights that he wanted to share. Uh, thank you. Hi. Uh, I am obviously for... Um security reasons i will not be revealing my identity in this conversation however i am a resident of nigeria um, i live in lagos actually and um yeah things right now have been uh, they've been absolutely insane in so many ways um now the whole um, SARS thing, as, as you said, um, the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, this unit was formed like almost, almost sort of like um, a Nigerian counterpart to the SWAT. Okay. Okay. The, the aim was to tackle, was to tackle criminal offenses of a more dangerous, of a larger scale that the local police would not necessarily have the ability or the tools to handle, you know? So things went up to stuff like grand theft or to um, cattle wrestling or um, basic, like, full-on armed robbery, that okay. sort of stuff. So that was the initial plan. Um, and because of that, they were also given license to... Um, where whatever it is I suppose that they needed to to blend in or to better infiltrate. You know, like um like you know, like you see in the movies, you know, special sort of cops and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um over the years, um, as with most things, when you give lots of people lots of power, um, eventually power corrupts in yes. one way or the other. Especially if there's no one to hold them accountable. Over the years, over the decades. Now this thing this thing was formed like almost when I was shortly uh, like a few years after I was born, in fact. So all through that time, um, they'd pretty much been lax in their standards, and they've been devolving, and it's gotten to the point where they are now extorting, kidnapping, um, torturing, and assaulting in every possible way you think of the youth of Nigeria. Um, so just so I'm clear, yeah. we're talking about Boku Haram or Haram, or are we talking about SARS? Which group? No, we are talking about SARS. Because it sounds like it sounds like the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's actually the funny thing. It's like, well, we say funny, but the thing is that these guys are literally no better than Boko Haram. Mm. In fact, say. In, in a lot of ways, you could say that they are worse, worse because at least with um, Boko Haram, they're not state-sanctioned. Mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. not officially anyways. But these guys, like, it's it's become a common motto, okay, that if you argue with them, they will come up to you and they will say, guy, I will waste you here and nothing will happen. Oh, my God. I will kill you right here and nothing will happen. And the fact of the matter is for absolute, for years and years and years, they were absolutely correct. Wow. Who could literally be slaughtered in the streets at gunpoint by SARS officers and there would be literally no prosecution in any way, shape or form. So it's that not just is, SARS then, doesn't it have to be like the judiciary and and, 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 and things along exactly. those lines? Don't they 
isn't it? Aren't they complicit? Yeah. yeah, you see, that's part of how things got so bad. Because you see, yes, it is NSARS. NSARS is the immediate problem. It's okay. the immediate thing that is killing us faster than the pandemic. Right? Mm. The thing is, SARS is a symptom of a broken system. Okay. That is what it is. The only reason they can do this is because the system itself is sick. So what's happening is that, yes, we are protesting to end SARS. Mm -hmm. But we know, we know that it's more than about SARS. But this is the one issue that we're holding on to first, mm-hmm. to deal with first. And the thing is that the government officials, the ultra-wicked and the ultra-corrupt, they know that as well. They know that if they end SARS, then it will eventually come. It will eventually come to end bad governance, and okay. corruption, and their way of life. And that is why they are so adamant about keeping them on the streets. Mm-hmm. I have to stop you here because there's so many parallels to what's going on over there in Nigeria and what's going on the way I perceive it in America kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. I say it like this, the state, the elite, the, the people behind the curtain would much rather sacrifice a couple of cities than to punish one fucking cop. And that's amazing to me. You're talking about trillions of dollars, you know, or, or, or you know, in both scenarios, lives lost, but they rather sacrifice that because it's like you said, they want to protect that way of life. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wherever you go, it's it's police violence. It is police violence. Okay. And so um, it go, it's gone on for this long because obviously our politicians um, who are some of the highest paid in the world, if not outright the highest paid in the world, oh, wow. in the poverty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's one thing. They are some of the richest people in the world, and we are the poverty. We're pretty much the poverty capital of the world. That is not a coincidence. Mm. It's not. Mm. Okay. I gotta, so, I gotta keep interrupting you, brother, because for whatever reason, I remember I lived in Philadelphia, and um, that used to be this joke, and it was, it was funny because it was so true. Every Nigerian cab driver you met was working on his PhD. And, and that, that was like the joke because it was so many. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so and so yeah. what I'm what I'm thinking is not only are y'all losing lives, but y'all using a intellectual capital because a lot of these yep. cats is not coming back. Can you yep. speak to that a little bit? Yep, absolutely. Because you see, the thing is that it's because of our government has worked so hard against us for so many years. Mm-hmm. Nigerians are some of the most resourceful, yep. some of the most deep and hardworking people you will ever, ever meet. Because you see, from the get-go, the government has been our enemy. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to make things work ourselves. That's why when you see so many of us in the U.S., in the U.K., literally anywhere else in the world, we are working on our degrees we are working on getting certifications, qualifications, because when you come from a place where literally everything is against you, and then you come to a country where things actually work, where you have 24, well, work much better than here anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. You have 24-hour power, you have, um, you know, some government assistance, you have all these things. It just basically rockets us. That's the thing. And that's what our government fails well, not that they fail to, but they refuse to understand. They refuse to see us as human. They refuse to empathize. They refuse to care. And it is, and until until this these past weeks, I thought it was sheer um, incompetence and greed on their part. But with what has happened recently, I've learned that it is absolute wickedness. There is actually no other word for it. The genuinely hate us even more than we hate them. Oh my now, god. Okay. No, yeah, I'm telling you. Now, um, okay, so with NSARS, this kicked off because as pre- 
like they killed one too many people. The fact of the matter is, this actually isn't even the first time or the second time or even the third time that people have um, spoken out against stars mm-hmm. and they've pressured the government to try and get rid of them. And in the past number of years, the government has always given us some excuses saying that they've been reformed, they've been reorganized, they've re-strategized, and they basically move things around mm-hmm. without actually fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. And now we come to now again, it's happened again, um, over the past few weeks, they killed one too many people mm-hmm. and people took it upon themselves to actually protest. And now the difference this time, the, the difference this time, which is so key, is that we have social media, mm. okay? More, more specifically, we have Twitter. We have we have so much Twitter right now, the people who are organizing this. Now, we go on, people go online, people spoke out about it, people made a, um, a, a hashtag, and... Um, there's some brave, 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 brave Nigerians. They're so brave. Um, they took it upon themselves to get into, to organize on Twitter, to get into the streets and actually form a blockade in one of the main toll gates. Oh. Now, these uh, these toll gates, obviously, they collect so much money every day, every month, every year. Okay, And these toll gates, unofficially, are owned by uh, one of the worst and one of the most corrupt uh, politicians there ever was, um, Bola Ahmed Tinubu. Um, he doesn't own it in public, but obviously in uh, in secret he does. Okay. So a portion of all the toll gate money that goes through uh, goes to his pockets. And he used to be a governor of Lagos State, but because of his political maneuverings and with how much power he wields over people, um, he basically has been the power behind the face of Lagos State. So while he's no longer governor in name, he's governor in truth, in that all the ca- virtually all the candidates ever since he left the seat of power have been under his thumb, they've been okay. under his rule. Okay. Mm. So we decided that if you wanted to if you want to make people listen, the best way to do it is to stop their money. That's smart. And so, okay. yeah. So what we did is that we went to toll gates, which two toll gates, which we knew that he was in charge of that got money, and they were um, they were blocked, and we protested. And then, it, like there were so few people, there were so few people at first, and they were so brave, but they pulled it off. They held hands, they linked together, and they stopped people from getting through. And they ended up staying so long, they stayed overnight just to make sure that this blockade continued. Mm-hmm. And then because people saw what they're doing online and they saw the end size uh, hashtag, mm-hmm. other Nigerians saw and they rallied. Like, my generation rallied and it was insane. And before you know it, within the next few days, there were even more people, mm-hmm. even more people, like, blocking these toll gates. So they were stopping people from going through so that means that they weren't paying any money. They couldn't get to work and it was disrupting the whole system. Mm-hmm. And this is especially vital because you see, Lagos is the commercial capital of Nigeria. Right. And by extension, it is prob- it's probably one of the more important places in Africa. Mm-hmm. That sort of so if you if you disrupt the finances in such a place people have to take notice because not only do people live there, there's also like international international interest. Mm-hmm. People who are invested in Lagos, people who are coming to see what's going on. Okay. And this happened. And over the next couple of weeks, people just came through in such an amazing way. And honestly, it is so inspiring. And I know for a fact, I will never forget it. Not till the day that I die. Like, through Twitter, through just everyone tweeting to each other, everyone sending messages back and forth. In under in under twelve days, we did more than the government had ever done, almost like since Nigeria's independence. Wow. We set we set up food and um like I'm I'm going to say as well, um, uh, feminist 
uh, code. Now, there are very strong um, feminist groups that are in Nigeria because we live in a very patriarchal society as well, and they've been fighting against this for absolute ages. And so, um, because SARS is such a universe, is such a problem to everyone, men and women as well, mm-hmm. they came in such a way they organized, they helped um, crowdsource funds to fund the protest so that people could get food, people could get water. Um, I, I mean, they did that on their own and other people as well um, also came through. I know that I decided to use whatever resources that I had and I wanted to provide um, food and water for people who are protesting at these things. Because, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it, it's tough work. And at the end of the day, like, people, sometimes people were getting hurt and they organized, like, um, ambulances to send them to private hospitals as well mm-hmm. for anyone who had fainted or anyone who had gotten hurt and so there's food being passed around there were people who had actually taken it upon themselves to do cleanup duty oh, after wow. protests were done like I don't think you understand we had formed simply through social media and through decentralized movements mm-hmm. we had formed a mini state mm. in essence because mm-hmm. we had we had healthcare and we had food, we had provisions. And there were people doing stuff like providing um, cleaning materials. They were also providing tents for people to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, um, there were companies that even went ahead and they started providing um, uh, public um, power uh, chargers, mm-hmm. you know, for their phones so that people could come, charging stations rather, oh, so wow. people could come and get charge. Like all this was happening at the Lekki toll gates. Mm-hmm. And then people, you know, they were rallying. Um, in, in all, in all fairness, it did every once in a while. It got um, a bit rowdy, where some people came along and they just wanted to like show up clout, or they weren't taking it seriously enough. And then we had to like, obviously give stern warnings that look, this is actually a protest. This is not a full-on festival. Right. That yeah, sure, we don't have to be like super shouty and super angry all the time. We still need to have a break, but. Basically, people were coming out every other day to protest. Mm-hmm. And it went on for about 12 days, wow. which was literally unheard of. It was unheard of in this, uh, like, to the to the best of my knowledge, anyways, it's unheard of in this country. Mm. And this was all accomplished by people in my generation. I just need to take I, a moment and kind of marinate on the, the, the idea you said for in this period, we formed a mini-state. Yeah. Where people's yeah. needs are provided in a decentralized way. Mm-hmm. And every single bit of money that was sent to the protest that, well, uh, the fem- feminist did a really great job as well in terms of accountability. <laughs> you see, they made all the funds that they received. Probably. They showed them how much they received. Mm-hmm. They showed them us how much they spent, mm-hmm. how much on various locations because the Lucky Town Gate actually wasn't the only location in where this was happening. There were, there were other places and during the mainland in Lagos as well. Mm-hmm. There were other like uh, spots for these protests. So there were actually people as well that were handling logistics. Some people would go to Lucky. I was in Lucky because that's where I live. But there are other people that's, who um, went to the airport's toll gate to uh, Mutala Mohammed Airport. Mm-hmm. And that was off the mainland as well. And so there were people that were sending food over there, sending supplies over there, and this was all organized. Mm. And it got to the point where soon after we'd done all that, and then things were getting a bit rowdy, and um, we ended up also hiring our own uh, private security from Security <laughs> Aid. Well, Are you yeah? serious? Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Like, shit was, shit was getting rowdy. And people were people were getting hurt, especially from the police. Obviously, we didn't like that. Okay. And so we went ahead, started hiring our own private security to make sure that nobody was hurt. Wow! And it was there was such accountability, there was such sharing, there was such togetherness, and it honestly, I it was the kind of thing where I didn't believe it was possible. Yeah. It got to a point where during a Friday, um. Muslims uh, in the middle of the street where uh, these protests, the Muslims in the area, they were praying and the Christians surrounded them. 
to wow. make sure that they didn't get hurt or they didn't get disturbed. And on Sunday, the Catholics, the Christians, they held mass at the, at the gate, at the toll gate, at the protest. Mm-hmm. And it was so mind-blowing to me because this, this was the type of thing that happens only in movies. I only saw that in Hollywood. I never thought in my lifetime in a country like this I would ever see such a thing. And it just goes to sh- it just goes to show that the fact of the matter is these politicians, their biggest weapon, their biggest weapon was always dividing us. Yeah. They divide us via tribalism, mm-hmm. they divide us through religion. But you see, SARS doesn't care if you're Christian or Muslim. Mm-hmm. SARS doesn't care what tribe you're from. They will kill you and nothing will happen to them. Mm-hmm. And so because of that united us because we have a common enemy and everybody came together and we saw how good we all were to each other and that made the government afraid because Mm -hmm. they know that everybody unites against them and they see how badly they've been treated and we show them a taste of what nigeria could be like Mm -hmm. because that that is exactly what these people are doing caterers coming through unbelievably like literally and, and we were all like treating this like a second job. Mm. Protest, protest was a, was a second job to a lot of us, mm-hmm. to a, and to even more of us who were actually unemployed because of Buhari's regime and all the crap he has been doing. Protest then became their day job, mm. and so that they were there all the time, and people were supplying them with the ammunition that they needed in terms of supplies, in terms of healthcare, in terms of just basic human decency. That's beautiful. And that's how I was able to know that's what it was. So the working Until, people was providing um, material, and then the, yeah. the, the, the full-time activist was distributing the material and organizing, keeping everybody fed and, and taken care of. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was it was it was kind of like mixed again. Again, there was like no hard lines sure. specifically as to who was doing what. Mm-hmm. Again, that was the beauty of why this thing even worked in the first place is because mm-hmm. we had no leader. Because right. when the governors came to approach, like, oh, who is a, who is your leader? We can we can talk to them and then we can come to an agreement. Everyone keeps saying we have no leader. Because in the past, what happened was all these protests, all these uprisings, mm-hmm. they did have leaders. Governments, if they couldn't take them aside into mm-hmm. a closed-door meeting and bribe them, they would eliminate them in yep. one way or the other. Yep. Arrests or via straight of assassination. Mm-hmm. And these governments, we're, 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 going to their, we're going to their residences. These, um, Like the vice, uh, the vice, um, the deputy governor of Lagos states, like, I, I, that was like one of the very first protests that I got involved in and where people were going over to see him and demand that he answer for the crimes that South has committed. And people were asking him, like, can you even name the victims? Mm. Can you name the victims, the people that have been killed under your watch, the people that you're allowed to get killed? And his response was, let's not focus on semantics. Let's not do it on semantics. Oh, wow. You can't get more disconnected than that. Because they don't consider us as human. We are batteries to them. We are simply a resource as as surely as coal, as um, gold. We're, we're just a rare resource to be used up, to be burned up and discarded when we are no longer used. Mm. That is how they see us. Mm. So we posted, we posted for a while. Um, I was involved, um, and it was such it was such a shift. And then um, eventually, on Tuesday, which is the twentieth of October, mm-hmm. uh, the governor of our state. Uh, uh, this is his name, Babajide Samuel. Now he. He is a man, now, just a bit of a, a slight background. He's obviously one of the men that is under um, Tinubu's thumb. He, okay. he's, a, he, he's an especially spineless one, um, more so than I think I've observed in past um, governors. And um, this, is the, this is the person who campaigned 
so, so hard to be our governor. I don't think you understand. His face was every goddamn way. Mm. Like, you could probably draw your shower curtain after you've had a bath, and you would see him out there asking for your vote. <laughs> okay. It sounds that like a lot of, of money. They put a lot of money in the yeah. street out there. Okay. He put a lot of money saying, I will fight for you. I will take care of you. I will be the governor that you need. Blah, 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 blah. The man's spineless, and um, he, he hops to the tune of um, the power behind the power. So, um, eventually, he ordered a curfew, most likely because um, Tinubu himself was losing money. We had protests for about 12 days. Mm-hmm. In those 12 days, we... Uh, because all during all these twelve days, money was not being collected from the toll gates. Mm-hmm. Um, so he lost about, um, I think, two hundred and thirty-four million naira. Naira, okay. I believe. I I, I, I just wanted to do a quick calculation and convert that to dollars. Roughly about six hundred. $610,000, pretty much. $610,000 okay, lost over approximately a two-week period. Yeah, yeah, just 12 days. Wow. So it, it hadn't it had been a full month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let, let's even be, like, conservative and say that this this target is collecting about a million a month. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's almost a million dollars or a little over, yep. you know. Uh... It, 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 it would be about like 1.2, 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. But let's even be kind. Say the target's are making about a million dollars a month, almost certainly more, depending on traffic and stuff like that. Right. But yeah. Wow. And so he ordered, uh, ordered, um, ordered a statewide curfew. Um, and at the point at which he ordered it was on the 20th of October. I think it was about one o'clock in the afternoon, which is when I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And he said that the curfew started at 4 p.m. Okay. So during the day, it wasn't even like at a time you would expect, you know, six, it, seven, it, eight, nine o'clock at night. It was during the day. Okay. People were already in the streets. They were on the road. There was tons of traffic. And he basically gave everyone about three hours to get to their homes. Oh, wow. Which is just so stupid, so unbelievable. So people complain about that. Mm-hmm. And while while this was going on, um, people also, of course, everyone was sharing information about everything that was happening on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We saw that different people came to the toll gates. Now, these toll gates, they have CCTV. Mm-hmm. They have cameras, which are also infrared. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are things that happen. Officials came around to uninstall these cameras from the tokens. Oh, wow. And so when I saw that, I was like, no, 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 no. Please, 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 everyone get home. Because you see, we had been making this so public. Um, The international community was beginning to see what was going on. And the fact that these guys came about to take these cameras down obviously can only mean that there is something they don't want evidence of. There's something they do not want being seen. Mm-hmm. So I was at home at the moment, and I was seeing this, and I was hoping that people would go home after the protest. But again, these brave, brave, brave Nigerians yeah. said, no, we're staying here. We're ignoring the curfew because what they wanted to do was obviously like break us up and put a forceful end to the protest. Mm-hmm. So they did that. Uh, sun was getting low, um, and then we heard reports of um, military military um, forming up blockades at either ends of the toll gates. So people and could then, leave. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So so people it's going so I've been harder for people to leave. So at around, um, I, I don't remember the exact time, um, but basically sun was getting low and then people started seeing military 
men in legitimate uniform advancing. Now, you need to understand that there's one crucial fact you need to understand about Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, camouflage is basically banned. Camouflage is banned and civilians are not allowed to wear it. So if, for example, I went to a cool place like Walmart and I saw a cool t-shirt and it was U.S. Army camouflage print and I thought it looked good, and then I came back home and I wore that shirt, if any policeman or any soldier sees me, my car will be stopped. I will be made to get out of my car at like more than likely at gunpoint. Oh, wow. And I would be punished in the streets, that sort of thing. Okay. It is not allowed, okay? Now, this this particular fact is important to remember, okay, as we go forward. So, these men in uniform came, the, the military came, and um, they saw the peaceful protesters. The protesters, all this time, the protests were peaceful. They uh, sat on the ground together. Uh, they held hands and also held Nigerian flags. And they were singing our national anthem. And the military pointed their guns at them and opened fire. Oh, my God. They fired fired for about 15. In total, it was probably an hour, maybe with short breaks in between. But they fired at people. Rubber bullets Uh, or live rounds? This is a... Live I rounds. I know the answer, but live rounds. Oh, my God. Uh, absolutely live rounds. Um, people try to run away um, and regroup and come back to protest. All the while singing the national anthem, the army kept on advancing and they kept on shooting them. And, um, yeah, uh, thankfully, thanks to a couple of really, really brave um, people, one of them, I think he was a godson 45 on um, Instagram. He was Instagram living. Uh, he was on Instagram live. And uh, to the best of his ability, he was showing what was happening. Mm. But even most importantly as well, um, uh, a Nigerian uh, DJ, DJ Switch. She also had an Instagram live as well. I think most people were tuned into her. Mm-hmm. And she was also portraying, like, showing, like, everything that was happening to the best of her ability. Mm-hmm. They were people down. These people were so frightened. They were singing the national anthem, and I could hear their voices shaking. And she was showing us everything that was happening on Instagram Live. Mm-hmm. We all, we, at least one person, we saw at least one person die, literally die on oh, Instagram gosh. Live. Because of his gunshot yeah. wounds and these stop. and obviously the barricades that they set up, yeah, I mean they were lit on fire. These were fire barricades, so people couldn't escape. They wanted to pen them in and mow them all down. I because heard, you see, I heard that the lights they were like street lights or lights at these areas that were turned off as well. Is that true? Have you heard that? That is. That is absolutely correct, yes, along with taking out the CCTVs. Because, again, remember, those CCTVs, they had infrared. So they would have been able to see in the dark as Mm -hmm. well. That's why they were uninstalled later, earlier in the day. So they took them out. And let me tell you something. This this stretch of road, the built, because the the toll gate doesn't have massive billboards for advertising. Mm -hmm. So obviously, it has a lot of lights. Jonathan, even during the height of the pandemic, these billboards never went out. Mm. Not once. Not once. That day, that night, everything was dark. Because at this point, they knew that everybody had phones, that everybody had cameras, and they did not want anybody else to see what they were doing to these people. So, yes. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. People had to use their phone flashlights. Um, DJ Switch, she almost didn't make it. Um, somebody, people had to protect her. People had to like basically form a shield over her. Mm-hmm. And those people were then in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah, this news out. And even like CNN had to contact her just so it could get all this proof out. Mm-hmm. And um, 
how I don't I don't know the details of it myself particularly. By the way, all, all this all this was happening at the Lincoln Toll Gate. We heard the gunshots. Oh, this this wow. was about eight 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 to ten eight to ten miles away, and they were near the water as well, so the sound carried. We heard the gunshots. They did what it wanted to do, and on top of that, as they were shooting people as the military was advancing, another thing that they were doing, according to several reports, was that they were taking away the bodies of people they had killed. I didn't hear that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. You see, they did not want evidence of anything that was happening. So even if you if you go right now on Twitter and you check like Nigerians, a lot of people, what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot of missing persons posts being retweeted about. Okay. These are people that the twentieth have been reported missing and wow. nobody can find them. Nobody can find them. Nothing. And I will bet everything. These are the very same people that the military gunned down and they took away their bodies so mm. that there will be nobody to trace it to them. So if this happened in my country, obviously we'd be doing like y'all be doing. We'd be on you know, on the social media. We'd be protesting. Mm-hmm. We'd be calling for folk to resign. Mm-hmm. What's what's been the what's been the the reaction uh, there so far? Well, we're talking so four days ago at the time of this recording. Right, the twenty. If we're talking four days ago, so this stuff is still fresh. Yep. Um, well, um, as of this moment, absolutely nobody, 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 nobody in government or in power has resigned. Mm. Nobody. You see, our governor, spoilers, governor. So, do you do you not even know the other thing? The curfew that the the curfew that they tried to enforce, they tried to tell us to go home, they had actually moved the time of the curfew back. They moved it back to 9 p.m., I believe 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. in the evening. Mm-hmm. The shooting, the shooting started at about 6 or 7. So these people were not even illegally out in the streets. Oh, wow. So... There, there is, there isn't even, there isn't even the excuse, the as crap of an excuse as it could be that oh these were, as are protesting out in the streets illegally. No, they'd shifted the curfew back to give more people time to get home, and while people were somewhere in Lagos trying to get home at the Lucky Target, people were being massacred, and we heard the gunshots. So this is a textbook example of a state-sponsored death squad. Is what we saw. Yep. Absolutely. Because there's only one person that could have given that sort of order. And you need look no further than our former military head of state, President Buhari. Because mm. he's been he's been in a high ranking person in the military for about fifty years. Mm-hmm. That's thirty years ago. He was the military head of state, if I believe. That's even that's even the crazy thing. I didn't even know that until some years ago, mm-hmm. because you they stopped teaching history in schools. Mm. This man has this man has been president either via military rule or now through a democratic rule multiple times. Mm-hmm. So. These these people. That's how this this was a wake up call mm-hmm. for us, the youth. Because you see, our parents, our parents didn't really want us to go out protesting. So many people um, of the older generation spoke out against it. Yeah. And in time, we re- we knew at the time that it is because of trauma, mm-hmm. because they. To live through a military dictatorship, they knew what it was mm. to have strangers come and take you away in the night, and you are never heard from again. Mm-hmm. That is what they were, and that is what they were remembering yeah. when they told us not to go out and protest like that. Mm-hmm. But we've been in a democracy for some time now. At least that is what we believed, right. and so we really put that to the test. Mm-hmm. And so, Buhari. 
I believe he got pissed off. I believe he was thinking, oh, you think that I am weak. You think that I'm not still in my heart of hearts in general. Mm. And sent that army to teach us a lesson because that's what they do. It's these, these, these are the same tactics that they've used since before I was born. Mm-hmm. They come, shoot a number of people after a while, there's a lot of fear. They come about and then they start making an increased number of arrests. Mm-hmm. They start identifying leaders of uprisings or sedition and they start carting them away one by one or bribing them. And then after a while, fear sets in, people are cowed and they do not rise again. Mm-hmm. And that didn't quite go the way these guys expected because, no. again, everything decentralized because we were crowdsourcing everything. Yeah. Uh, movements like. It's to a point in time, actually, our banks were against us. There were certain banks that did not allow funds to be transferred or received from certain people if they believed that it was for the protests. And so, again, because of technology, we started moving to Bitcoin. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. We started because we have top companies as well in Lagos. And these are guys that were helping. They were educating people how to use Bitcoin, how to send to see what a wallet was. So this is part of what they were doing. A lot of this as well was um, sp- in, in, in spearheaded in a way by the, uh, the feminist movements as well because those women were absolutely goddamn amazing. Okay. And they helped, were really instrumental in setting this up along with other tech companies. So you see, again, that was the thing because they couldn't really corner us in such a way. Anything that they tried to do, you will find a way because since we were born, the government never did anything for us. Yeah. So we learned how to do everything ourselves. Mm. And this was a fact that came back to bite them in the end. And so that's what happened. That's what happened. Wow. So um, we these things ourselves came through. Um, and then... Um, just here at, at the massacre, people were being shot, people were being hurt. And even then, like, even during these protests as well, the funny thing is, people were still being getting arrested. The government claimed that they had, um, the Inspector General of Police claimed that they had disbanded SARS. Yeah. SARS was still kind of well, they're still working, they're still arresting people. And they claimed that instead they're going to form a new unit called SWAT. So original. Right. And it was it was clearly they only wanted to do a rebranding, but they no, but no officers put on trial, no uh, convictions, nobody sent to the death penalty, nothing like that. Just a rebranding nope. of this death squad, and put them back on the streets, pretty much. And people didn't want that, which is why we kept on seeing NSARS, and then it ended up being adding to that um, NSWAT. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, everything was um, decentralized. We were doing everything ourselves. And then with the blockades that were formed, uh, people were getting shot and they were being killed. I saw, mm-hmm. hor- I saw horrible scenes. And the thing is that even then, with our crowdsourced funding, mm-hmm. we were still sending, for people that were arrested, we had actually formed a network of lawyers Lawyers whose jobs it was to go to where people had been arrested because we, we now knew the protocol whereby if they knew that they were going to be taken away by the police, mm-hmm. they had a bit on like a, a, a note pretty much that, you know, you like you type a note on your phone okay. and you had it ready and they send it out on Twitter or wherever to say that, oh, my name is so, so and so. I'm about to be arrested by these SARS officers. Please come help me. And everywhere, they were sending out teams of lawyers to get these people out of jail. Mm, okay. So not all of them were just executed. Some were just thrown into prison, probably with no charges. And they was able to yeah. go to the uh, police precinct and get these people yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, so these guys are monsters as well. Because of what a lot of what these people do as well, they put people in prisons and then they make their families or their loved ones pay outrageous sums to get them released. So and basically, they hold them hostage, basically. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and some a lot of times they don't even let those hostages get out alive. They still end up killing them, and then they dump their rivers. They dump their bodies in rivers. Are you serious? They, Even after they pay the money. Yep. Or they sell their, or they actually sell their bodies, as well, to um, medical schools. 
in fact. Because you need to practice with cadavers. These these are not donated. Maybe a few are, but a lot of them, a lot of the people that you find missing is because they're being sold by SARS officials for money to medical schools. That sort of thing. Like these these people like the anything you can think of. Anything you can think of, these men have done. Wow. So these animals, even without crowdsourcing, um, during the shooting at the Lekki toll gates, um, people were crowdsourcing ambulances to send to help people who were injured. The per- the army wasn't letting ambulances through. Wow. They were stopping the ambulances for getting to the people they had shot and people that they had killed. And as they were shooting, the army guys, they were going about and they were picking up their bullet casings. Oh my God, removing evidence. Removing bodies, removing evidence. Wow. Exactly. Wow. And then the people that they were shooting at, they saw that, and then they started saving bullet cases. Mm. They started collecting. Like, again, you can you can find a lot of these things, obviously a much better account than I could ever give. Um, you'll find DJ Switch, she gave, like, um, official um, statements and stuff. You'll find okay. her, you'll find um, her live stream, you'll find... Um, you'll find the statements that she gave about the things that were going on. Um, mm-hmm. There were probably things that I'm missing and things that I'm forgetting because, again, I was I was, re- I was relatively far away from mm-hmm. what was going on these streets. Okay. And after, um, after everything was done, um, it rained. It rained, so even the blood was partially washed off the streets. Oh, wow. And so they started doing damage control. Um, they started uh, stating that um, the, med- the governor started uh, stating that the military never shot at people, that they only fired warning shots into the air. Okay. Military representatives themselves said that they were never there. So already these stupid people, these cruel and stupid people already had conflicting lies about their story. Yeah. You'll find people reporting that, oh, that the videos were photoshopped. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You, Photoshop like that? Yeah. you know, and um, they were doing that. But you see, this is part of why earlier in, earlier in the year, or well, last year, they tried to actually put a hold on social media. They tried to squash it because you see, we have eyes of the international audience. Mm-hmm. There is too much from too many people, too many corroborating stories, so we can't squash it. You mm-hmm. see, and this is how the Nigerian military has operated over the years. There are many, many bloody things that are in our past, mm-hmm. and even things will happen today but you see those people those poor people they did not have the benefit of social media yeah. so the army claimed that nobody was harmed there are entire villages entire settlements that were raised to the ground mm. by, past, by past Nigerian um, presidents and because they had, they didn't have camera phones nobody would be any the wiser so they could claim anything they could claim was insurgents Mm-hmm. They could claim it was um, so, you know, subversive elements or that it was fake news and everything, but no, not this time, because they opened fire on people in the middle of the commercial capital of Nigeria, and everybody had phones to see what they were doing. Thank God, yeah. And even after, you know, the funny thing is as well, is that at the time, um, the U.S. delegation happened to be in Nigeria at the time. What? Yeah. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. They wanted to... Uh, I can't remember uh, what the situation was. You're talking was. about on the 20th? Wanted... That day? Or you're just saying that week they were there having meetings? Well, while, while, while this was happening, they were actually in the country. They were in Abuja. And they wanted to hold it. I need to, I want to make sure I have my receipts right. Okay. Um, on Twitter, uh, Joyce Karam was saying that a U.S. delegation in Nigeria held meetings in Abuja and condemned to the vice president the use of excessive force by military forces 
who fired on unarmed demonstrators in Lagos and urged accountability. The Nigerian government themselves haven't even admitted to the killings. The U.S. knows that it has happened, and we are telling them that it has happened. And already, like, it's put pressure. Mm. It's it's put pressure on them. And so that is why um, a couple of days after this massacre, finally, 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 our great and also wonderful President Buhari decided to address us in a pre-recorded um, video. Wow. And again, you can find a transcript of his entire speech on Twitter, if you care to look. Mm. Um, that hasn't been deleted already. But in a nutshell, um, he claimed that, um, obviously, in a protest, in protests, you're always going to have, um, especially if it goes on for long enough, you're going to have some subversive elements. You're going to have some people who are disenfranchised, who might not know what the protest is about, but they're going to go about breaking stuff, burning stuff, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, um, after these protests, when the curfew was initiated, um, there were a lot of people, a lot of the poorer, more disenfranchised people that went about burning and looting. They burned to the toll gates. They broke into so many shops. They destroyed so many things mm-hmm. because these are the downtrodden people. I mean, I, th- I can't remember who it was that said that riots are the voice of the unheard. Yeah. So these are people that have been they have been crushed in poverty for so long and they saw a chance to get back at anyone they perceived as responsible. And so the government after the after the killings with the military in Lekki, they then decided to withdraw all their soldiers and withdraw all their police. And so there was no security whatsoever. And these people were burning and looting, having even a couple of friends who were robbed. And uh, not just in Lagos as well, actually elsewhere in the country, in Abuja and all that. Mm-hmm. And the government decided to blame uh, everything on the NSARS protests. Mm-hmm. And it's because we protested that we're the ones responsible for all of this, even though this looting and this burning, it literally only happened because all of us protesters were indoors because of the curfew, right. because of the killings that they had carried out. Mm-hmm. So... The government came, he came, uh, he addressed the nation. He didn't even make a single mention about the massacre at Lekki. And it was at that point that we knew for sure this was the man responsible. He did it. Mm. He did that shit. Mm. He murdered all in the streets. And he gave his, I think he, I don't know whether he, he praised the police or security or whatever. He gave the condolences and he asked the international audience not to jump to hasty conclusions regarding what's happened and with all the fake news circulating. So right now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to divide and conquer. They're trying to cast doubt on all the news that we're posting online. Mm-hmm. They're trying to divide us via, um, uh, tribal lines. Oh, like it's the Igbos, it's the Yorubas. They're trying to unseat uh, Buhari because he's from the north, because he's the um, house of person or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing all these things, anything that they can to try and discredit our movement. And it was such a huge blow to us. It was such a huge blow because at the time, I well, I can't obviously I can't speak for everyone else, mm-hmm. but I myself, I was still a bit naive. I still didn't quite believe that right there, right in the streets, that they would murder unarmed people. These people were armed with only Nigerian flags because they believed that army, that the army wouldn't shoot people holding the Nigerian flag, and that wasn't the case. So that rolled, that that took away my naivety certainly. Mm-hmm. And it let me know without a doubt that we are definitely, we are in a military dictatorship disguised mm. as a practical republic. 
Mm-hmm. And in fact, what, what happened in Buhari's interest as well, the funny thing is, a lot of um, my parents' generation, they saw that address and one of one of the one of the unifying factors that I found was that they complained that he said nothing about Lekki where the massacre happened. Mm-hmm. They weren't even complaining about the answers or the the fact that there's still the streets and all that kind of stuff. They were a lot of them were actually annoyed and angry at Buhari because he mentioned nothing about Lekki. Mm-hmm. Because you see, whether whether or not you want to believe the government lies that nobody was killed, or whether you actually know the truth that people were murdered, the fact of the matter is, shit went down in Lekki. Stuff happened in Lekki, and Buhari did not address it at all. He ignored it completely. Mm-hmm. That's part of how behind it. He didn't want to call attention to it, and the fact that his entire speech was haphazard, it was it was weak. Because at the end of the day, if he if he really he, I what I believe what I I mean I'm obviously listening to other people who are more aware of politics and how the game is played. Sure. But um, basically, what I got from them was that Buhari's speech was weak, that they were on the back foot, that if Buhari believed he had really won, they would have rolled in the tanks. Mm-hmm. They would have rolled in the tanks. And it would have been a lot worse. But because of international pressure from the UK, from the US, they were on guard because of the things that we had shared with the world. And at this point in time, forensics have have seen all the footage and they've checked for themselves and they know that it was not a lie. Mm. This was not a lie. They know this. Obviously, they at this point in time, people can't outright go and accuse Buhari of doing that because whether we like it or not, he's a president and that could have ramifications still. The game of politics being played mm-hmm. and responsibility and all that. But people now know that this happened. They know that he's responsible. And because of that, because of the pressure that they put on him, he couldn't sell the things that he wanted to. Mm-hmm. So not only were the older generation disappointed with him, his political parties as well, they saw that as like weak. Mm. That sort of it's sort of a bit weak coming from because I mean there was he he had no other choice he had to backpedal mm-hmm. and you can you can go about and you can read the transcript and if you know anything about us you can read in between the lines he was telling the foreign powers not to rush to conclusions about the so-called fake news that they were seeing online mm. and in effect what he warned what he tried to warn us about okay was that if anybody went out into the streets again to protest, he would bring the army again and there would be more deaths. That's what Buhari is saying. Mm. That's literally what he's saying. So, um, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I left out a number of things. Please, please, if anyone is listening to this, please do research, talk to other uh, Nigerians who have a lot more knowledge and who are better spoken than me, who are way more versed in this than I am, because I can, I can only speak from things that I have seen, from things that I've produced, um, from what I found. This is just from my singular point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are, there, are, there are things that I know for sure, and for a fact, the government murdered unarmed people mm. in Lekki. They so did. For, they did the for us who yeah, are on sorry, the outside, for us who are on the outside, Obviously, we want to become more educated about this. And you mentioned uh, DJ Switch, who I'm following now on uh, Instagram. And uh, there were a couple of other uh, people I think you mentioned uh, on social media. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, a number of... um, A number of people... It's, again, part part of the... Part of what made our, our movement so successful, successful was that a lot of things are decentralized yeah. as well. So maybe a hashtag um, would be better. So just in SARS exactly. might be a good place to start. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You got that right. Yeah. And you'll find a few, you'll find a few people that um, have lots of information that you could get about that, you know. And um, now, just... in preparation for this interview, I was looking at some of the Nigerian newspapers. And I looked at the uh, the daily, um, and I think the daily live is one of the Instagram handles. But 
Um, they have a count of 62 people murdered uh, during the time of this uprising. I'm not sure if that number differs from what you've been hearing on the ground or. Yeah, the yeah the issue again. That's that's part of what was said today about it. You see, we're never going to know for sure the true number of people that they murdered because okay. again, they took away the body. Gotcha. So anybody that is missing could be missing for any number of reasons. But mm-hmm. a lot of them were last seen in that lucky area, at mm. the, the last pro. So it's a good chance that every missing person that you find. A lot of them are going to people that have been murdered by the military, and the reason you can't find them is because their bodies have been carried away, so their families don't get that closure. Gotcha. And I guess for us in the U.S., uh, I, I think that talking, if, for, I'm sure it does do some good to uh, to contact uh, maybe your state senator or your uh, your rep. And, and say, you know, put pressure on Nigeria, you know, to, you know, Buhari to stop this, now, this mass let me, murder. Let, let me, yes, yes. Now, let me tell you something. Um, what these politicians love a lot, by the way, um, before all this went down, mm-hmm. um, these politicians, they sent their families and their children out of the country. Hmm. Okay. You see, these politicians, these politicians, they hate us, but they love their families. They love their children. And so they give them everything from funds that they steal from us, that they embezzle from us, that they kill us for. Okay? Because they don't want to lose that lifestyle. Yeah. Now, a lot of these senators, a lot of these politicians, they live really lavish lifestyles in the U.S. and in the U.K., one of one of I think the only good thing about the pandemic, the COVID nineteen pandemic, is that everybody was locked up in their countries. You see, mm-hmm. and usually when politicians don't like what's going on here, they basically escape overseas so everything dies down. With the pandemic, nobody could leave, mm. so they were all trapped in with us. So they had to deal with the absolutely horrible medical system that they left us with. That wow. they embuzzle that comes from. So they had to deal with the same horrible hospitals that we had to deal with, the same horrible facilities that we have had to deal with all these years because we have to manage that. While if anything happens to them or their families, they fly them abroad where they can use all the money that they've stolen to afford better health care for themselves and their families. So, one of the most important things I believe everyone who's listening to this can do is to call for a visa ban. Mm. The visa visa ban for these government officials, not only for them, but for their children, no matter where they are, their families, no matter where they are. They could be in the US, they could be in the UK, they could be in Germany, anywhere in Europe, anywhere. Okay? Call for these visa bans. Call to get them. I'm so upset because it's... I'm sounding like Trump right now. <laughs> okay. so. these people deported. Oh, oh wow. No, the political class, all of them, they need to be sent out of your countries because they will blatantly violate human rights. Mm-hmm. They will murder us. They will break us. They will. They would literally burn all of Nigeria if it meant they could keep their money. Mm. It would. So the way to put pressure on them, because there are other people as well who are, because they, they believe we're their property. They believe that they can do whatever they want to mm-hmm. us. And where the all of this, this, this response, this retaliation was basically them saying, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you want better for yourselves? How dare you not be grateful that we are letting you live in our country? Mm. But nice. But Nigeria belongs to all of us. It does. Yeah. We are all Nigerians and it is all ours. And you don't get the, you don't get a monopoly on it. You have no right to everything that is in it. Hmm. We all share it. So yeah. You okay. need you need to you need to ban them. You need to get them out. You need to make them stick in this country because they were comfortable setting soldiers to fire and mow down other people's children mm. because they knew that their children were far away and safe and sound. Mm. 
So let your children be near the sounds of gunshots and gunfire as well. Let them listen to what my my nephew and my niece had to listen to as they were playing outside. Wow. All right, Internet, that's our homework assignment to find some of these uh, high-level government officials who got family abroad and uh, ask our political officials to send them home so they can go clean up the yeah. mess that they helped create. Uh, so. And most importantly, freeze their assets. Their assets need to be because it's it's with that money, it's with that money that they can get away with so much. Mm-hmm. You need to make them hurt. You need to stop the money. Stop. Gotcha. And that's um, that, that's the best way I know in my head. Not a nationwide sanction, but just for them. Yes. Yeah. My brother, I know this has been difficult to recount, but I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and um and sharing. Uh, you know, some of your insights, some of your pain, some of your observations with us. Uh, it's times like yeah. this when we realize that we're all one family. Uh, some of us live on one side of the ocean. Some of us live on another. But when them gunshots start ringing, I, I think sometimes it kind of gives us a crystal clear clarity and, and, and it helps us understand our true situation. 